What's up, everybody? This is Iron Mike Stedman. And as always, I want to thank you for tuning into my show, Dog Whistle Brandon. On this episode of DWB, I sit down with Mario Mitchell, co-founder and managing partner of Mech Ventures, an early stage venture capital fund that invests in the future of pop culture. I met Mario through Bunker Labs a few years ago. And ever since then, we constantly find ourselves having long conversations on the phone about entrepreneurship, tech, and venture capital. Mario was anxious to get on the podcast to talk about Mech and the firm's approach to building their brand. Over the years, you've seen more and more venture capital firms leaning into brand building, with a few that come to mind, including Andreessen Horowitz, commonly referred to as A16Z, and First Round Capital. Mario and his co-founder, Bruce Hamilton, are both African-Americans, which means many potential limited partners, investors, and venture funds assume they're an impact investment fund that invest in underrepresented founders like themselves. Rather than being positioned by others, Mario and Bruce decide to position themselves as investors in pop culture, which encompasses new emerging markets such as esports, new media, and other forms of Web3 entertainment. Venture capital firms have to differentiate themselves just like the rest of us. And on the show, Mario breaks down how they did it at MEC and what the future looks like. Mario is the first venture capitalist I've had on DWB, and he won't be the last. And if you can't tell already, it's a great time to be a brand builder. And you're in for a treat as we talk about MEC and how they're building their brand. Gunny, you know what to do. Yo, saddle up, lock and load. Listening to Dog Whistle Branding, brought to you by the team at Ironbound Media and the Lions Pride, where we provide no fluff and high impact brand strategy and business coaching for veteran owned businesses to keep you in the fight and not face down in a rice paddy. I'm your host, Iron Mike Stedman, the godfather of Dog Whistle Branding, founder of Ironbound Media, and business coach at the Lions Pride. Before we jump into the show, make sure you subscribe to our newsletter at the link in the show notes or visit our website, dogwhistlebranding.com to stay up to date on all things DWB. All right, get out your pen and paper and get ready to build a dog whistle brand. Saddle up, lock and load. Mario, my brother, welcome to Dog Whistle Branding. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. I got my book right here, y'all. Black veteran entrepreneur. Violate your business model. Build your brand. Step into greatness. And here's a funny thing about the book, Mario. It was supposed to be step into your greatness, but I missed it when the cover designer sent it back. And I was just, I was like, I'm going to let him live. <laughs> but I bring it up because Mario was in the book. We talk about building your community. And I'm fired up for this episode because I believe you're the first venture capitalist that I've had on the platform to talk about what it means to brand a VC firm, you know, and how you all think about building your audience. And so we're going to chop it up about a lot of stuff. But without further ado, I would love for you to introduce yourself uh, to our listeners today. Yeah. So hi, everyone. My name is Mario. I am um, the general partner for Mech Ventures. So it's two of us. We're the only black VC firm out here in the state of Nevada, which makes us great. Um, also, I, I do a couple other things on the side. I have a couple of businesses. So I am a serial entrepreneur. I teach technology to young black kids across the country, um, utilizing National Coalition 100 Black Women. And I also have a fintech company that we built from the ground up. It actually, we just wrote a check for our vet fest we held here um, that covered. So we wrote a check for 25K, 
which covered majority of things and I went towards the veteran initiative for that, that event. Basically what Mario was trying to say, he's a sleeper. He built a coding he built a, a coding school, right? <laughs> Sold that, right? Worked in venture. Then it's like, you know what? I need to start my own venture fund, investing in the future of pop culture, which we're gonna talk about, while still supporting the veteran entrepreneurial community, helping launch uh, the Bunker Labs chapter out there. So Mario is a man. We need to make sure we give him his flowers. So I'm gonna go ahead and give him his flowers. <sighs> Mario, here's your flowers. There we go. You, you said you sell it way better than me. I think my, that's the problem. My family, I have a cousin, and I call her the Patty LaBelle of AI. And the way I just presented myself is how she does. Um, I'm naturally, I just do this. And I'm like, we don't do really, really well selling ourselves, but we can sell each other or sell other people's outside of us. Yeah, I mean, and that's part of branding, right? Like um, in the civilian, in the military, right? It's not looked upon favorably to always be talking about yourself and how amazing you are and yada, 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 right? Then you get in the civilian world and it's like, man, if you wanna be seen, right? You gotta be your biggest champion. But I do think there's a way to do it and be tactful, right? Like, you know me, I talk about boxing, I talk about Ironbound, I just kind of share what I'm doing and that's what people know you for. But like, I mean, we're some hitters, you know? Not humble brag, but Naval Academy, you served in the Air Force, then you go start that business and sell it. Like, I mean, you're off to the races, you know? So we've got to come to terms with our backgrounds and the experience we bring and allow us, allow it to fuel our confidence um, but also inspire other people because, you know, in this game, people bet on people, it's relationships. And so, you know, with that, right, if you talked about the origin of uh, Mech Ventures on the Transition podcast, if you haven't listened to that episode, go check it out for a deeper dive on it. But I want to particularly talk about branding today and how who are you inspired by when you think about the, the VC brands that you're like, I want to be like that or I want to be better better. So, be honest. We're inspired by not even VC brands. We want to be like how music used to be, right? Like you look at the Def Jams. They they literally had to build from the ground up. And that word of mouth, listen to, to mistapes, all these different things that are setting stuff apart from other labels, help them grow to what they are today. Um, we're the same thing. Like there's tons of VC firms out there. Uh, being a black brand um, VC firm, I believe it's less than a hundred black led VC firms out of like the 700 that exists across the country right now. So you already have a lot of odds against you, but we say we love the odds that's in stack because we're going to always defeat them. So we're focusing on branding first. Most people focus on getting the dollars. Mac uh, from Rivery, he really did a great job in raising his fund during COVID. Everything was on Zoom. I took a little bit of that. I'm like, I want to utilize that confidence that I can do this no matter what it is, and bring it to um, Mech Ventures. Um, my partner, Bruce, he comes from music, where uh, you always got to be on your toes, ready to swivel, ready to pivot. And I took a piece of that because he brought a lot to the table and taught me a lot about contracts and why it's important to have a really solid team around you. And he brought that into to, um, Mech Ventures. I'm just a down hard like, hustler that wants to help everyone, but also remembering that people are people. And like the people first model is always be my way of doing business. Whether you're investing in Mac Ventures, you also want to learn how we're going to utilize your money, and you might want to learn how to become a VC yourself. It's not up to me to take that education and hold it myself, but, but I want to share it. So we took that, and we put, put all this to Mac Ventures to build our brand. Um, and our brand is really something that's unique. People hit us up nowadays because of, of who we know. 
Like it's not even like, hey, we want your money, which is crazy to hear like someone's hitting up a VC firm because they want the strategic partnership more than they want the dollars of how we can help the company grow and how they can help it pivot. And that's because of our branding, our thesis, and what we stand for within culture. Let's talk about it. Talk about your thesis. And you guys published your point of view. You had one of the uh was it what's his title? The guy that wrote it? Uh oh, AZ. Azure. Yeah, so AZ. He's, yeah, he's actually one of our analysts. He actually when we started the firm, we actually started um an internship like three months later. So AZ and Cal and um we had Kendrick, they were all in our in our um, internship with six other people, and those are our top talent to bring over. And you talk about having young people and helping inspire them. They inspired me to do better because they see what we're building, and they're all in it, and they're all young, and they believe in the future of pop culture. Because when we first met, you told me you invest in the future of pop culture, and I didn't quite understand what it meant, right? Now, I had a little bit of an idea, but when he wrote that article, I mean, I want you to talk about it, which shares that point of view. It clicked on me. And now I see it everywhere. You know, I watch Drink Champ. Stuff go viral. You know what I mean? Like, you see, like, I keep my ear to the dirt on a lot of the stuff that is kind of happening in pop culture. And I see how it's influencing, like, the whole Kanye West deal with the gap, right? That whole thing, right? So, like, now, you know, it's not just a single creator. It's, like, culture moving things. Like, what is culture talking about? What is culture rallying behind? And like another example, you think about like um, what uh, Deion Sanders doing down at Jackson State, right? Oh, yeah. Like I want to <laughs> order a Jackson. Like if you would have asked me, you know, two years ago, what HBCU hoodie I would rock and I didn't go to an HBCU, I'd have been like, let me get a Morehouse or something. Let me get a Howard. But now I'm like, yo, I want a Jackson State, you know? And it's all about because of what he's preaching which is that like there are other ways, you know, giving other people a shot, right? You never hear about HBCUs, you know, on college game day, right? It's kind of like in the back. For those of you that aren't familiar, HBCUs are historically backed colleges and universities that were set up uh, after the Civil War to educate um, uh, black people when we couldn't go to the other places, right? But the thing is, Jackson State University, uh, I mean, it's, it's had people come through it, but it doesn't like pop top of mind. Mm -hmm. amongst black culture but once Deion sanders goes there now everybody knows about jackson state and exactly. he's selling a dream like this vision this story that like a lot of us are rallying behind same with you mech ventures like i want to make like just seeing you i'm like where's my mech ventures hoodie <laughs> yeah, you know we, we the hoodies that we got um we're gonna be dropping some for our one year so mech ventures actually made a year uh this month so like our fun started in march but we actually formed um, the formation of Mech Ventures actually started this month. We've been working so hard that we didn't even realize it. Yeah, like everyone's like, "Hey, happy, happy, happy work anniversary!" I'm like, "What are you talking about? Like, it must be something I don't know." My wife's like, "No, it's for Mech Ventures." I'm like, geez, it's been a year. Like, I'm having fun though. Um, and it, it's all part like Deion Sanders. I'm from Jackson City. I would never rock JSU. I will not though, because the brand that he brought to it. Like their football team were okay, was okay, but now they're great, and that's because he made it great. I believe, and the, the the down part of that too, though, is if he was to leave today, guess what? Jackson State and all the branding they have around. So you have to be very careful with your branding because for us, we're doing we're banking everything on future pop culture. No matter what happens, 
What follows after Mech Ventures is another fund that wants to do the same thing, but we started the trend. So we made that cool for people to want to follow. And that's how you want to build a brand, not around a person, but around whatever it is that you truly believe that you're solving in that space that you're in. When you introduce this point of view into the market, right? What is, can you define your point of view? I know we say, I just want to bring it home for the people, right? Because pop culture means a lot of things to different people. And so like, I would love to reference that article as like the North star of like what it is y'all are banking on. Yeah. So um, we're going to go to when we first start introducing it, people see me and Bruce, we're both African-American. They assume we're a black fund focusing on only like black founders and things like that. And I'm like, that's not the case. So we say pop culture. They think music and media and, you know, fashion. I'm like, no, that's not the case neither. So we have, we really had to buckle down how we describe it. We never we never changed our thesis. It's been the same since we started. We just explain it in a way. On um, the future pop culture, and the best way for me to do it is everyone knows about TikTok. TikTok was around before the pandemic. But when the pandemic hit, everyone was on TikTok. It became viral. It became a movement. To this day, TikTok grew so big that there are countries fighting over who's going to own it, like who can have the data in it. That's how, how influential um, pop culture is. Is TikTok is one of those things that became, it had its own brand before, but it blew up out of nowhere and it's still part of the culture today. You can go scroll through TikTok, people get paid, you see sponsored ads, all that, and they didn't change their strategy. It's the same as that thing. It just took for something to happen to influence something else. MySpace was hot. And then it died. Facebook was hot. Then it became meta. And then Instagram overtook Facebook. People don't use Facebook like that no more. It's all about Instagram now. Like these things come and go. And the future pop culture is we're banking on something that's going to change the narrative of how we as people are consumers. We buy, we use products, you know, these types of things. Um, and it has nothing to do with the color of your skin. Like when people ask us that, I'm like, it's not because we're black. We're an innovation fund first. You look at our portfolio, we have tech for, we have a gaming company. You know, we just invested in a, um, a, a road tender, which is a robotic vending machine. Like It's a vending machine that you go to and it gets your full mixed drink. And that has nothing to do with color your skin. It's the innovation of how they're changing the future. How are you going to go and buy a drink opposed to having to wait in line at a football stadium? You know, how are you going to go and play a game? Um, esports is going to be the next bit thing, too. 248 million people. We bank on those things to really um, change the trajectory of how we invest. And it's, it's you know, we do pre-seed to seed. We're taking the most risk because these companies can fail. But how can they ever uh, succeed if they don't have people bank on them when they're first born? You know, why wait until they become popular when we can help them get that way? So We talk a lot about Brandon on this show, obviously. It's Dog Whistle Brandon. But I just want y'all to hear what he said, right? Like, people differentiate them when differentiation is differentiate or die is what it comes down to okay there's a lot of venture funds out there there's a lot of venture funds uh run by african-americans black and brown people etc but the number of venture funds run by black people invested in the future of pop culture is a category of one okay yeah. and they position themselves in such a way that i bet you're the only person that talks like that when you stand in front of those lps and those LPs probably get pitched all the time. And they're like, hmm, I never thought of that. And then you break it down. You're like, yeah, that Travis Scott McDonald's deal for $50 million, right? That's where the industry is headed, right? Yeah. Like just these looking for like what is hot? What are people really resonating around? But like you said, it's a balance, right? You don't want somebody to 
fizzle off. But again, just the ability of the pop culture to influence these markets in a way that we haven't seen before because we didn't have the connectivity like we have now through the internet and social media platforms, et cetera. Exactly. And that's the beauty of it. Like I said, we have people hit us up all the time. You know, I've had to get my fair share of no's to companies. But, you know, it feels bad, too, because we can help people get to that yes. A lot of VC firms, they tell you no. You know, they have the a huge staff and everything else. But we're saying, like, we don't want to just tell people no and not help them get to that yes. Like, I think we owe it to people. Just if you're telling you no, we should be able to give them a, a pathway to yes. Whether it's, hey, we don't invest in, like, you don't put out thesis. But here's three people that we can introduce you to that do, that you do fit the pieces of. Or you're a no now, like we really love your idea, but this just doesn't make sense for a standpoint of us making an investment. But if you hit these these terms right here, you hit these notes, then it can turn to a yes. It's not never a guarantee in this space, but it can turn to a yes. And so we're actually putting together a strategic partnership program where we're writing smaller checks, but the whole onus of it is the smaller check is going to help you get to the bigger check from us. And we're going to help you along the way by becoming a strategic partner. So it's, like I said, these are the things we're doing to innovate the space in hopes that people see us and like, oh, we want to be just like them. It's not about overtaking the, the industry. It's not about competing with the industry. It's all about figuring out ways to help people succeed in the space while we help educate others on how they should be doing it. So changing the way Changing the narrative of how it was done before. You're a serial entrepreneur. What's a go-to-market strategy look like for a venture fund? So for us, I mean, a typical day, you, know, you, you set your formation, you raise dollars from LPs, and once you get those dollars from LPs, you're going to deploy it out. Let's for deploy us, So LPs, limited partners. Limited partners. Money. Yeah, so I'm yeah. sorry. So yeah, LPs, limited partners, next anyone with a network of over 250 thousand dollars they're getting every year and uh, they got to have liquid assets it's it's very hard to categorize yourself there but the sec makes that the security exchange commission makes that and puts those rules in play to protect people so that you don't invest all your life savings with the potential that you can lose it because this is a high risk game like you can invest all your money into it if all the companies and investment firm come firm fails you potentially lost all your money so there's a lot of education for LPs that they need to know. That's why the SEC, our Security Exchange Commission, is in play so that they can better protect people from having that happen. And then, um, so we, we deploy the capital, which is just us putting the money into a company, investing into a company. Um, we deploy that, and that's how we, and you got about five to 10 years before you see a return. Now, you get the really hot ones, then you can see a return before that. But typically, it takes about five to 10 years in that span for you to see some form of return from an investment. Um, we approached it differently. We are doing rolling closes. So as we get money coming in, Mike, you invest, you give me a quarter million dollars today. I can take, do our first capital call. We can take that funding and invest it in a company. Instead of having to wait a year missing 20, 30 deals, we can actually put money into these businesses as we get money coming through. So even though we're young, we've written wrote written a couple different checks already because we didn't want to miss deals. And those are super hot deals where, you know, we got in on the lower end, which is great for us, pre-seed and seed. It's a lot of risk. But when they hit, there's a lot of reward at the end. So just think Uber and Lyft. 
they were just idea stages. If I could got in that, that was a chance I want to write. But look at them now, you know, 10, 12 years later, worth billions. The people that got in, they wrote $25,000 checks back then. They made about 25 million off that now. So like, there's a bit difference. And like I said, patience is key. You can't invest in a, in a company and want them to do that. So we have to understand that from our point of view. It's like, we don't have a big name. We have a lot against us because we're not your typical GPs, general partners of a fund. Um, we didn't go to no Ivy League schools. But our story is what gets our LPs. Our first check came in because the guy knew my work ethic. He knew my story. And he knew, like, as hungry as I am and my passion for helping others, it wasn't a bad investment. So they're investing in you as a general partner, which is the story you have to always tell. So we can't live off a brand. We can't say that we're A16. We can't say that we're Sequoia. We go in as Mario and Bruce when we do go in. Maybe in 10 years, we can live off that, but we have to build up to that, just like everyone else is. So this is our approach is we're doing rolling closes. We're getting in things early and we're actually moving fast and pivot, pivoting when we need to. And I love that. And your perfect customer is a limited partner, right? Break it down for us. Who do you think your perfect customer is? Because if I was starting a fund for black veteran entrepreneurs, my perfect customer would probably be, I don't see, there's not a lot of black people with, you know, that are accredited investors. Let's just be honest. It's like 1% of the popular, that's like 1% of black America, right? So yeah. I might be playing myself going after that market. So you've got to yep. look for people that want to see more black veteran entrepreneurs, you know, um, of businesses and tech companies and stuff, et cetera. So I'm curious to hear like when you, um, you were deciding who your thought your perfect customer was that LP and who you found out it really is. So, yeah. So I wish Bruce was here today. So he actually created, I'm not taking no credit. He created this little guy and this guy actually shows different categories of money and where they are. So we fall into the category of new money, newly minted millionaires, you know, the younger population, Bitcoin, Dogecoin, you know, all, like stock market, all these um, these new kids that's coming through Instagram, uh, influencers, TikTok influencers, that's making tons of money a month and don't know what to do with it. We were never taught about investment in school. You don't learn about this stuff until you get older, you're in your early to late 30s and 40s, or you're hearing about investments when you're in your 50s and 60s. Oh man, yeah, I'm investing because I'm about to retire. So I'm going to start investing so I can start saving up for my retirement. But when you're young, you got this money, you know what to do with it. Look at the NBA, look at the NFL. They're our primary, like our ideal um, customers because they got money. Their money's, they're young. Their money still can work for them. If I take an investment from a 21 year old today who's making $100,000 a month, I take an investment from them. By the time they're my age, 31, Guess what? We'll be giving them their the terms. Then we'll be talking to them like, hey, let's talk about a follow-on because we're about to start 10 years from now. We'll be in fund seven. We're about to start fund seven. Let's go ahead and talk about what that looks like for you. But like new money is the way that or what works for us. Like primarily. So we'll go after that first. Um after that, like, I mean, I don't believe in old money. There's old money that exists, but that's a that's a pipeline that you have to have a lot of accreditation in. You got to spend a lot more time selling them because old money has certain views on VC. Uh, the modern day um, money is more of like your your couple. So like me and my wife are falling in that category. Like we got kids, you know, we got a little extra money to put somewhere. We won't put it in the bank. We won't throw it in the stock market or they want to invest it in something. Like in those people, we once again, we identify with them because, hey, 
you know, I'm young, I got kids, I'm married. And like, we can literally talk about what got us into places. And our stories are pretty relevant because I say 10 years ago, they're around my age 10 years ago. So if you could go back and talk about Cartoon Network before they got bought out by Complex and how those things really shaped out what we're doing today. So that new money and the modern age money is kind of like what we're diving into because we have a lot to to really get from them, as well as the fact that we don't have to sell the fact that we're two black GPs focused on pop culture. We don't have to chop down a tunnel that says like, oh, you're just, you know, you're just investing POCs only. No, we're an innovation fund. And this is what we invest in. Esports gaming is very new. Try explaining. I, I tried to tell my grandma what esports gaming was and she still didn't get it. You know, so like try to explain that to people in that bracket where you have to spend more time and it become more frustrating for them if they don't understand. They feel like you're speaking foreign or, you, you know, you're not doing a good job. So you try to stick in our lane, especially for fun one. But this is our validation point. This is where, you know, we're doing all these different things to validate ourselves because we came in as, as underdogs. But our branding and our stories are going to help propel us for fun, too, because you have to build up somehow. Let me tell you, it makes sense now why you guys are on Instagram. Because I was like, why are they posting on Instagram? Why are they spend their time? But hearing you talk about new money, new money is all up on Instagram, yeah. right? They're flexing, taking pictures of themselves. I'm like, man, too old to be doing it. But that's what they do, right? Versus like a LinkedIn, like a lot more old money, right? And then you've got these associations and things that you could probably access. So how do you... I'm assuming link Instagram is kind of where you're building your audience with, and then you're using that to facilitate an introduction to someone or you go, I mean, talk to us about that. Cause what I call it is your customer activation cycle y'all. Okay. So I'll give you an example. Okay. I write authority building content on LinkedIn and also share it on my podcast. Somebody listens, then they reach out to me. And then from there, I book a brand probe, which is our process at Ironbound for starting to turn someone into a dog whistle brand. Then after the brand probe, I'll make a package recommendation, yada, 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 convert them into a client. So what does uh, that process look like for you all at Mech Ventures? So, yeah. So once again, we own a lot of this up to, to Bruce. So Bruce is, he's the cool one. I live in Las Vegas, so I don't get to meet as many cool people as Bruce does who lives in LA. So him come from music, Instagram was like a second nature to him, right? Like he has a super dope following himself. So whenever he posts and he um, posts anything and he posts on his personal um, Instagram page, he gets a lot of like playback. Oh man, how can I learn more? For me, because I was spending all my time in this entrepreneurial space, my first actual taste of social media as an entrepreneur was Insta- I mean, was LinkedIn. I use LinkedIn. So it's two different approaches there because he has that obvious LA vibe, Hollywood area. Like he gets more play there. I get to play on LinkedIn. So we activate the same way. We post the same content, but we post it different ways. Mine is always going to be more like, you know, I'm trying to fit in, fit out, fit into a room. And I hate the fact that I'm the only black person in this room having to speak my piece and people don't take me serious. But as a venture capitalist, yada, yada, yada. And I get responses from that. And it's not just from people of color. Most people assume like, oh, you're only talking to people of color. Like, no, I'm getting responses from everyone across the board. Because they see BC, they see the investments we're making, and our content makes that possible. If you see some of the, the companies that we invest in, you go look it up. They got on that deal. We want to learn more about them. Bruce, on the other hand, he really lives in that cultural space where he can post anything. And because he's just a cool, laid-back person, 
people are going to gravitate to them anyway. And they're going to share that in their communities, whether it's Def Jam, whether it's CAA, whether it's all these different places that I'm just, getting, just not getting introduced to. But he has it because of the networks he's built. And mine actually comes a lot. I, my first, Our first check came from the networks that I built out here in Vegas. It's not, it is not like that was easy, but it really took me like three years to even have a conversation with my buddy to even for, for him to develop that trust and know that I have that know how to turn a dollar into $10. I ain't gonna say a dollar to another dollar, but a dollar to 10 because I'm almost trying to get 10 X on, on any return I get. So, um, it is really dependent on you as a person. Like every, every journey is different. What we do, and we figured out what our strengths were as as a team. We knew we need to have more people in too. We just realized we need to do more content because we want to showcase our portfolio companies. Because if we help them do well, they do well. If they do well, our LPs will do well because we're getting a huge return on that money. So content is always going to be key in anything that you do um, in this space, regardless if you believe it or not. Most people are like, oh, we just have a name, but that your name is still content. If your name is that big and everyone knows it, if I go out to, to Europe and say Apple, everyone's going to know what Apple is. Oh, iPhone. Everyone's going to know what it is because that brand and the content they create around it makes it so. So LinkedIn and Instagram are just two um, platforms we use, but we want Mech Ventures to always be the focal point on everything we do on those two contents. So he may post, I may post, but it's going to be the same as that theme across the board. It's just, to signify that we are one united front. It's not different things there. My my Rolodex is his Rolodex. His Rolodex is my Rolodex. And everyone on our team, same way. Talk about uh, contradiction. My man Mario's on here. He's a VC, got a backwards cap on. I'm sitting here. I got a beard. I'm rocking a Hoover Institution hat. What the hell is going on to the world? Like, we, it's crazy, right? I used to think as a VC, I was going to dress up in a suit every day. Like, Patagonia sweater vest. And- yeah, night. And then, and then I had this conversation with Bruce because, once again, we have a lot of conversations. And when we're doing this, I'm like, man, it's going to suck when I buy these suits. I'm only going to wear like once or twice a month. You're like, I'm never going to do that. And I'm like, we'll see. We had an event, and he came up in just a black shirt, like, you know, looking like Steve Jobs, right? And I'm, I'm in a suit jacket. I'm like, suit and booty. And I, I need to rethink this. And so, like, since then, like, it's more teacher. Because this at the end of the day, you're investing in the person. Yeah. I'm fake to the date if I just rock a suit to that one meeting. And then you come see me again, and I'm wearing a T-shirt. I just got kicked out of golf course uh, last week because I had a T-shirt on, not a college shirt. I ain't go back neither because I refuse to dress up when I'm paying you $2.95 to golf. And you're telling me I need to wear a college shirt. I'm like, why? I'm paying you. Like, it shouldn't matter what I'm wearing. But. That's just the real us. I'm real comfortable like this. I can sell to anyone. But at the end of the day, if you want me to sell and be fake, I just can't do it. If you want me to be me and do be my best version of me, I'm not going to wear a t-shirt to a meeting. I'm still going to look nice. I'm still going to rock my Jordans, my jeans, and whatever shirt. But I'm not going to you know, misrepresent our brand because future pop culture, we don't put labels on anything. You know, 100%, man. I rock a V-neck and a, a, a blazer right, with a pocket square. right. right. That's about it. You know what I mean? That's just not my brand. Like this button down with the tie on. It's just it's just not genuine for me because I don't exactly. even walk like this around Newark. You know, I'm coming from here and I'm sprinting to my gym and I'm coaching and working out, you know, so I just kind of have an authentic brand. But over the years, it's been consistent. And that's the other thing, too. I think 
I'm going to do a whole episode on the importance of consistency in your branding. I am who I say I am, right? So you Google me, you know, you see the stuff, it's the same, right? Going back. And that's not to say you're not making space for yourself to grow and for the brand to grow. But again, a lot of us as entrepreneurs, we didn't take jobs because we wanted to create agency for ourselves. We wanted to build mm -hmm. a business that allows us to uh, live the lifestyle and be comfortable like we want. And so that's just sounds like what you guys are doing at Mech Ventures. I know it's what I'm doing here at All Things Ironbound. You, you mentioned the new money, okay? Now, I didn't know anything about LPs, venture capital, like all this stuff. So I've like read so many books, right? Listen to so many podcasts and stuff and have people like you in my corner I can speak to, right? How do you make these new money kids comfortable, right? Is it just, you know what I'm saying? Because are they, are you educating them on the venture process that they're not going to get their returns for five to 10 years? You know, talk to us about you educating the user. Yeah, so um, first thing first, every relationship that, that I get, and this is my way of doing business, and Bruce does it slightly different, but all the same, is I'm not going to say, yo, Mike, you know, you're, you're making all this money and, you know, you can fall into my new money category. Let's go talk about investment. That's never going to be our first conversation. My first conversation with you, especially if you're old, because, you know, new money starts at 16 nowadays. So you can become a millionaire at 16 on your own platforms. So I'm never, if you're not 18, you're not having a conversation with me because you can't legally, you know, invest in anything anyway. But I'm like, Mike, let's go get a drink. All right, let's go have a drink. And let's just get to know one another. Because this is a relationship that you got to start either way it goes. Your new money, you you have some money. And I know this, but I'm not trying to sell you day one. It may be our, our, our third, fourth get together before we start talking about what it is that I do day in, day out. And that's because you brought it up in the conversation. If we be able to get enough relationship, I shouldn't have to bring up the fact that I'm raising money in my fund. You should be asking me what it is I do. If you're not asking me what I do on day in, day out, then we don't have the right type of relationship to start a conversation together. But once you do ask me that, then I'm letting you know, like, yeah, so I learned this by being an entrepreneur. I had to go and raise money for a company. It was a tough journey. And I thought other people are having the same tough journey. So they need to start something that's going to help ease the mind of a lot of people and educate along the way. Oh, that sounds real interesting. How do you educate? And then we fall into that question of, oh, well, it's simple. Let's take, say, for example, you want to invest $100,000. That's our check size minimum in, in Mech Ventures. You want to invest $100,000 in, but you don't know all the ramifications. Here's this 40-page you got here that they normally send out. I could just it down to seven. Read through that. Let me know if you got any questions. Here's my number. You know, text me, whatever. I get questions like, oh, so what does this mean? What is the LP? What is all that? I'm like, oh, cool. Don't even go look up on the internet because it's going to be complicated. Let me break it down the way I learned it. Uh, LP is a limited partner, a aka me and you become partners, you're a partner in the firm, and you're helping us fund and make these investments. Yes, we do take a management fee because someone has to manage the money just like the banks and everyone else does. But you know where your money is going because you're going to get quarterly, monthly or quarterly uh, emails. We have our monthly newsletter in that case that's going to let you know what investments you made, what's going on in the firm, all these different things so you stay knowledgeable. One other thing I do is my first LP, he was like, I want to learn more. I'm like, cool. Tell me what you want to learn. You want to sit on the call with us as we talk with a founder. Like you have a founder that you may think fits our thesis. You can make the intro. You can manage the relationship. We try to make sure that you feel like, like 
we're not just taking your money and running and we're not involving you. Like you can't be super hands-on, but you try to make it feel like you are learning on the go. Because most LPs, especially new money, don't know anything about investments because it wasn't taught in school. So you want to make sure that they feel super comfortable because that is a commitment. You're signing legal documents and you're going to pay X amount of dollars into this fund. And when you sign that over, it's not like you can get away from it. Like you're already committed legally. Um, so you want to make sure that you feeding them with everything with no pressure and with new money is really simple. Like if you if they identify with you, and I look young enough, like I, I still pass a 23, 24. So I look young enough and I shave everything off. Um, it's really easy to have those conversations. Even the modern money, because I'm married with a kid. I talk about my kids a lot. You know, like, oh, my kids do this. They're homeschooled. You can always find ways to make people feel comfortable. A lot of people have these conversations. And the conversations are always asking for something. I always say you shouldn't be asking no person with money for anything on the first date. You either have you need to wine and dine and mingle a little bit more because if they don't feel comfortable, then the whole relationship starts on that the wrong foot. So we always try to make it seem like everyone is a part of our journey. You know, that's why we have special drops for our swag. Oh, we got these new hoodies for our LPs and our team. Like no one else is getting this, but these people. We're gonna try to drop some shoes. Same thing, LPs and this. We have events. LP only events. And this is not like to get you to come back in and give us more money. This is just an event to celebrate our successes thus far. So we always try to make sure that everyone feels like they belong into the space. And with the younger crowd, they show up, they appreciate this stuff. I get a, a, a hoodie no one else has with a super dope design. I want that. I want in on that. That's the movement that I want to invest in. So just finding light ground, light minded grounds for everyone that you're, you know, vibing with. And that's the hardest part of our whole thing is finding like finding ground for everyone because everyone's different. Everyone grew up different. Everyone's still is different. So, but they all have one thing in common. They recognize Next Ventures as being a catalyst point for in the, in the space that we're in, and they all want to get in on that early. So, I was just about to ask you what was the hardest part, right? And you said it's just finding people on common ground. I seen your face. I read it, and I was like, yeah, I, I know the next question. But yeah, like it, it really is like, you know, like I said, people, once they see me and Bruce, they assume blacks only. No, this is open to everyone. Right. It is a struggle to sell yourself and not make it about race. Unfortunately, this day and age, that's what it is. Oh, we're, we can't be a fun and just support everyone. You have to be a fun support one group. So once you get past that hurdle, then they want to learn more about the fun, which is how it normally goes. That's interesting. Let me hear more about your thesis. I'm like, okay, breaking it down for you at this point. But once you get that, that's it. You, I know I can have them hook after that because now they're like the future part culture. We had never heard of that. Let's let's dive deeper because that's the first. They see it as Uber and Lyft. You can't even, you can't ask someone like which came first, Uber and Lyft. People don't know. I mean, you can go back and look it up, but you just ask on the street, they won't know. They think they both were born at the same time, you know. So that's Mech Ventures. No one else is doing what we're doing right now. Eventually, that we will have some people, but it'd be cool because now we become the mentors in the space. Once again, we don't see competition. We just love the fact that people are recognizing that you can invest in more than just the traditional things that you invest in. I got to ask you why you're on the platform since I'm a podcast guy. I've been watching urban podcasts, right? I called Dr. Condoleezza Rice. I said I consume a lot of urban media. 
everything from the Pivot Podcast, the Breakfast Club every now and then. I am athlete, and I'm seeing a shift in these black podcasts popping up, or urban-led podcasts, what I'm going to call it, right? Uh, how are you all seeing that in your landscape, right? Am I, am I wrong in, in a sense of you're seeing more and more of these highly produced uh, shows, uh, now athletes are creating their own shows, you know? Like, where are you seeing podcasts in, in the future of pop culture? So it's funny because uh, we were just talking about doing our own podcast too. <laughs> like I've been, that, that's to, how... I've been trying to tell them to do a podcast because selfishly, this is why selfishly, if we don't tell our stories, no one will know, right? Yeah. And the reality of it is, I, I I mean, it's crazy. Years ago, I didn't know any black venture capitalists. Now I know you. I know my frat brother Sherman Williams. We host their podcast for uh, those who that who dare. But like, the only way we can create impact and create more of us is to share these stories, right? Grow exactly. our networks. And so when I write a book like Black Veteran Entrepreneur, you know, that's a way to scale teaching in a way that I can't do one-on-one. -on -one. So uh, that's why selfishly I wanted to learn from y'all. Yeah, I mean, and selfishly, I've been telling people, I mean, your book, you know, just so I'm like, look, you don't know what the book is. I don't know what page I'm on yet. I will let you know when I find out, but go get the book and then I will sign the pages my name's mentioned in. We call it a day. Just go buy the book. Um, but yeah, like the podcast, I'll be honest, like we we had already said like, oh, we didn't want to do any podcast that was going to make us seem like we're just black focus and things like that. But that shift, like you said, like you see more and more people just doing podcasts just because they just want to have fun doing it. They want to tell them st their stories. I'm a big Eagles fan. So um, Kelsey, him and his brother have a podcast and they do it every Wednesday and they just talk about what's going on in their lives or the games they have, the frustrating points. And people, they tune in and listen. And I, I, I realize it's no different than a TV show. It's no different than going to the movies or, you know, watching some drama. It's literally, you're getting to be a part of someone else's story and hear it firsthand from the individual. Like, you remember the um, show Reading Rainbow? Yeah, it was Burton. Yeah, so that right there, like, I didn't read a lot of books. But the fact that I can go home, turn on Reading Rainbow, and get into the story and hear someone tell it, that was more powerful than me reading the book itself. And that's just because us as people, like before TVs, radios were alive, we told stories. Like, you know, before we got all these nice homes and we had cars, people sat around the fire and they told stories. And that was that version of entertainment. And that's something that's ingrained to every human being is hearing a really good story. And by nature, we're all nosy. So we want to know what's going on in folks' lives anyway. So these podcasts, they all have different stories to them. And it's it, it's going to grow bigger, in my opinion, it's going to grow bigger than TV and movie because there are so many people in the world and they all have different stories to tell. And they all have their brands behind them and they're going to always drive people in. And that's the the powerful thing of storytelling. Like, like I know you preach this all the time is, um, you know, branding is important and storytelling is part of branding. If you can't tell a good story about whatever it is you're trying to sell, you need to go back and rethink your product because you need to be able to have a story that's going to impact your customer base. So if I'm selling diapers, I got to first off have some kids to say like, oh, diapers are worse, but I made this diaper because I'm solving one, two, three blowouts. They're trash. But these diapers prevent blowouts, meaning that you only got to clean up a big mess or you can you know, not have to throw away as many clothes or sheets, whatever else. But as a parent, other parents will hear that and like, yo, I'm gonna go buy this product. I heard on this podcast. I'm gonna share it with all my friends. And they had this story to tell about their kids, and I can identify with that. 
And that's just a powerful thing, you know? So podcasts will be around around forever. And I think as we grow as a culture of podcast listeners, like everyone's going to get the confidence to have their own podcast, just like YouTube. Podcasts, YouTube and po- um, podcasts go hand in hand. Like we're recording now and we're on a podcast and we can take this content and we can throw it anywhere, TikTok. You know, we can throw it on um, YouTube. We can throw it on Be Real Instagram, the video portion. And then you can take all of the podcasts and you can put on like, what, six different platforms that exist out there. It's so flexible and you can pivot. You can do whatever you want. You can support different things to get your own sponsors. And um, that's just the power of voice. So it's going to grow forever. Yeah, man. I tell you, um, it's interesting because when I got into podcasting in 2020, I started doing my research in 2019. There weren't a lot of black podcasters, period. Right. It was like a very, very small percentage. I'm like peer reviewed research. Right. That's where that's the level we're at. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and over the years, like you say, pop culture. Now you're seeing more and more. Right. Like there was a time where, uh, you know, I mean, they put the statistics out. People that listen to podcasts, a lot of them had college degrees. You know, it was like a certain type of person. But now all these platforms, you're seeing like all the kids listen to podcasts in the gym versus mm-hmm. like three years ago. Nobody listened to podcasts. So you see, again, that shift in culture, man. And I, I always preach this because it's one of our uh, bold beliefs at Iron Bound Media. The future is the future of publishing is audio, you know, and you talk about like you see Complex Magazine, right? Kind of how they went online, right? Because they saw the Internet as the new magazine leveraging media, whether video and audio. But I think about like the Source Magazine, right? If it was started today, maybe it was a podcast. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. So it's super exciting, man. I'm, I'm just so happy to know you. I'm happy to have you represent the veteran community and represent other uh, founders of color on the other side of the table as a venture capitalist. And I've been preaching to people like we need to just build our own tables, you know, yeah. and I'm gonna be talking about that at the military uh, influencer conference. Uh, this episode will probably come out. I probably would drop this episode uh, next week. If not, it'll be after uh, the military influencer conference. So before we head out of here, Mario, how can our listeners support you? And the work you're doing at Mech Ventures. Um, yeah, so we're dropping a newsletter, uh, which is new for us. So if you want to go to our site and you sign up for our newsletter list, you'll be able to follow everything we're doing and really like subscribing to that. Also, like I'm really active up on like LinkedIn, uh, Mario D. Mitchell on LinkedIn, and then on uh, Instagram, we have Mech um Mech VC, um, which is our, our firm on there too, and Twitter. So if you go and follow any of those platforms, you'll be able to connect. Um, either way it goes. But like, we just want to really showcase that we can build something from the ground up without having these labels that define us as people that says that we can't do it. Um, and we're doing a really good job in that right now. And all we can ask for is support from others. So, Where can people find you at? Just on LinkedIn? Yeah, LinkedIn. I'm on Instagram too, MarioDemetrio78. Um, yeah, like those two platforms are great. And then like you go to our website itself, uh, you can go in and request, like click my link and all our links are on our website too. So you can read our bios, our team, everything there. Love it, bro. Appreciate you. For all our listeners, make sure you subscribe to the Dog Whistle Brandon newsletter at the link in the show notes. If there's a topic you'd like me to cover on the show or in the newsletter, shoot me an email at mike at weareironbound.com or drop me a message on LinkedIn at Iron Mike Stedman. Until next time, everyone, peace, love. Have a great rest of your week. 
Dog Whistle Branding is brought to you by the team at Ironbound Media, where we provide no-fluff and high-impact brand strategy for better-known businesses. We believe that audio is the future of publishing, and we're committed to leading the movement for the veteran entrepreneurial community. You can learn more by visiting our website, ironboundmedia.com. This series is powered by the Lions Pride, a professional training and coaching company for badass founders. We serve mission-driven, high-performing small business owners with at-the-ready resources, battle-tested tools, and full-service support. We're proud to support veteran and other badass-owned businesses at every stage of growth. You can learn more and get more at thelionspride.com. 